Hi, I'm Jay Frosting, and you're listening to Miss Gender. One of my closest friends is a woman named Ashley, but for the first nine years, I knew her by another gender. I'm still adjusting to this updated reality, but it's nothing compared to what she's going through. Over the course of the show, Ashley and I discuss her perspectives on being trans and her ups and downs as she transitions. Fortunately for all of us, Ashley is a person who, when interested in any topic, researches it for a long time and becomes an expert. Of course, it takes a lifetime for any of us to learn how to be the person we want to be, and that doesn't get any easier when you're trying to reboot your life partway through. We welcome your questions and comments on each episode at misgender.com, on Twitter at misgender, or you can email misgenderpodcast at gmail.com. You're listening to the audio version of this episode, but we also have a video version that you can watch or subscribe to by visiting misgender.com and finding this episode, Catcalling, which was published December 15th, 2011. Hi, good evening, Ashley. How are you? Not too bad. How are you good, Jay? Good, good. Yay! Thanks for asking. Everything settling in? I think so. Yeah, I okay. think so. Yep. No more uh, bathroom drama? Well, not, not any more than last time. Okay. I mean, That's it's still... It, it's just insulting for for it to go on, I suppose. Remind me what happened last time. Did you decide to go down seven floors, or did you decide to sneak around and hope for the best? No, I went down six, seven floors, whatever mm. it was, yeah. So okay. I'm going to the ninth floor now. Yeah. I guess it wasn't, I didn't feel it was an option for me that as far as sneak around and what have you, just since the little like demerit piece of paper that mm -hmm. those turkeys gave me last time had fine print about blah, 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 understands that future consequences could include termination and other blah, 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 blah. So I was like, well, I, yeah. Which of your names did that form actually specify? Well, they got them. They got my name right. Did they really? Okay. Yeah, and my pronouns. Well, so it had absurd sentences like, "Mrs. So and So had was observed on Wednesday using the ladies' room." I was like, "Oh, there was a lady in the ladies' room. How about mm, that?" Yeah. Weird. God. But what's I suppose? I don't know. Bittersweet maybe is just that. So I'm, I use the ladies' room often on the the ninth floor, mm -hmm. uh, just because um, some of the floors have renovated bathrooms, some don't, and so I um, I want to scope out the one that was closest to the ones on the fifteenth floor where I should be going to. Sure. Yeah. So I use that one all the time, and there are sometimes other women there, and they say hello, and it's just like I'm any other person. It's yeah. I mean, it's just it's to say it's mundane would be exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. Just a different floor. Yep. It sort of reminds me when I was 13 or 14, we would go on vacation. And in my family, it was always a square dance themed vacation because my father oh. was a square dance caller. And so we'd go to the national convention and sometimes the international convention, depending on the year. Ah. And at least once or twice I would meet a girl at one of these conventions who was mm. also pretty good at square dancing as I was because I started taking classes early and we'd hit it off and she didn't know that I had a reputation as a total dork and so she would find me attractive for various oh, reasons. Oh, so you'd be, you'd be, have like temporary charmingness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of reminded me of that when you were talking about going into the, the ladies room and on a different floor because there's nobody there to recognize you. And that's really the thing, because, I mean, I can't say whether, I mean, if I spent an hour with someone, whether I would pass the whole time, but mm. certainly in terms of I'm washing my hands and someone else is washing her hands next to me, or it's just been completely boring. I mean, yeah. it's... Right. Yeah. No one glances a, a second or, I mean, yeah. So really... It was only it was only because that one woman recognized me, yeah. As oh, you used to be a drag, that mm -hmm. she, or she may mistakenly be thinking you're in drag now, but even though she's problem. been she's been fully prepared by you know her employer with the the actual yeah, truth of the situation. Yeah, fully prepared with the wah 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 
an upbeat house, but yeah. So speaking of strangers, I saw on Twitter the other day that somebody did a little bit of cat calling. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was uh, need to buy some groceries, so I went to Target after work. I uh, parked my car in the lot, and as I was walking in, there were a couple young chaps sitting at the bench, sort of off to the side of the entrance. Yeah. Maybe offset by 20 or 30 feet to one side. The smoking area. Maybe. Though I'm not sure if they were smoking right at that minute. Okay. But the, these guys are probably in their maybe early 20s, early to mid 20s, I would guess. Mm. Maybe three or four of them. And I mean, I'm, I'm awfully bad at whistling, but he gave me the yeah, one yeah. of those. And then followed up by a hey there or something like that. And at first, I was almost bolstered, I don't know, because like, hey, I pass enough to be harassed in the street. But on the other hand, I started feeling kind of icky also. And it took me a, a moment to, to really think through my ickiness hmm. because th there are some apologists of this type of behavior who cite that, oh, it's a compliment or something or other. And I thought to myself, this doesn't feel like a compliment. Uh, and then it struck me that this chap was really saying, hey, I'd like to have sex with you. And what made it worse is that it dawned on me that if you were to have sex with me without my permission, I, I'm i not sure I would have the upper body strength to be able to prevent that. And that was kind of scary to me. Why did you leap straight to without my permission? If he were to try to rape me. No, I understand what that yes. means. Okay. But why did your thinking go in that direction? I mean, you're in a public place. It's well lit. There are security cameras. It is, yes. And certainly in that in that specific instance, the risk was low and as far as for me personally. But yeah. I suppose that in terms of the, the prerequisites for rape, as it were, you need to have someone willing to do the deed, as, as it were, but also mm -hmm. someone to have the desire to do so. And so it was sort of that part of the equation was there. Was the first thought you had actually, hey, I pass enough? Or was it, I wonder who he's whistling at? No, it was, hey, I pass enough. Okay. I think that's probably a good sign. Yeah. At the very least that you weren't confused at first. Yeah. I mean, mm. it, it, admittedly, this was on a Tuesday or something. So there were, there were fairly few people in the parking lot. And so... Was it emotion A dot dot dot... <laughs> Emotion B, or did emotion A sort of carry through as an undercurrent and get con confused with emotion B? It's more like the second one, mm -hmm. like like that thing they do in Buffy sometimes, where they've killed off the bad guy and they're celebrating for a moment, and then it totally turns that oh the bad guy's not dead at all. Yeah, that, that kind of thing where the music starts from. Or most horror movies, sure. Yeah, sure. But the kind of thing where it starts from, you know, happy strings to kind of discordant strings. Uh -huh. How do you feel about it now? About the same, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm still glad that I passed, but it. I mean, I I do remember there there was a brief moment of oh hey I pass, and then I was thinking I want to get inside the store, and I mm -hmm. just want so I just kind of made a beeline for the door and sort of looked straight ahead because I. I, On top of everything else, you're not attracted to dudes. That's right. I'm a lesbian. Yeah. So when you tweeted about it, what kind of reaction did you get? Because you asked the question, is this feeling normal? Did I add that part? I'm trying to remember. I don't know if there was a question mark, but it was something about how you were feeling only partially ick about it. Yeah, I think I said something like, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling partway yay and partway ick. Yeah. yeah. There weren't all that many responses, but one person said uh, something to the extent of, yeah, that about sums it up. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, who was the person who responded? Was that a woman? Yeah. Okay. I've heard similar things from, from women in the past, so yeah. 
it seems like your reaction was pretty normal. I guess. I mean, that's a sample size of three, but... Yeah, and... It's more it, than one. It was probably... It was more ick than yay, I would say. Yeah. And, and in my case, the yay was because I was passing. That if sure. I... If I had been more accustomed to, to passing to that extent, there probably would have been much less yay. <laughs> okay, so did it surprise you to find out after the fact then that women who grew up women in public were sympathizing with the part yay part? Uh... Had you thought up until that point that the only reaction um, a quote-unquote normal woman would have was entirely ick? You can say genetic women or cisgender women. Oh, that's good. Cisgender, yeah. yeah. I, I suppose part of the nuance is that I, I didn't, of course, quantify how much yay and how much ick. For me, it was maybe one-fourth yay, three-quarters ick. Okay. And if it was that much yay for a cisgender woman, I would be a little bit surprised. I mean, I could see there being some, I don't know, one-eighth yay and seven-eighths ick. Mm. Those starting to sound like so partial. All right. I'm not going to try and guess at what normal is in terms of percentages or fractions. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I could see there being some small amount of yay in terms of the theoretical compliment, but the, the yeah. overall feeling is mostly yay. Do you feel better prepared for when it will inevitably happen again in the future? Well, I mean, what, what do you do in this scenario? Other than just, like, keep walking. I mean, one thing my brother suggested, quite helpfully, because uh, my brother's been a big supporter, is that yeah. I could get um, some pepper spray or the like for my purse. For or, when it's not necessarily well lit with security cameras. Or, I mean, even if it is, because you never know. I mean, just just to have it there. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, or some other type of... Did he seem aggressive or threatening at all, or just rude? He was not outwardly aggressive or threatening. Yeah. He was rude and and obnoxious. But the thing you is... You said he was sitting with somebody else. How did that person act? Th- there were two or three, I think maybe three three of these guys on, on this bench. Oh, And they okay. were all kind of looking in my direction. And I mean, I, I couldn't... Other than the one guy who enunciated and so on, I couldn't hear what the rest of them were saying. But I, I, from their body language, I could, I could gather that they were egging him on or, or you know, whatever. They mm-hmm. did not seem to disapprove of, of his, of his gestures. So, do you feel hesitant about going to that store again? No, I don't. No. Okay. Good. No. I mean, I think objectively, my safety was probably not in danger. Yeah. But it did make me feel uncomfortable. I'm just curious, like, how long did that discomfort last? Did it actually make your heart start thumping in your chest sort uh, of thing? No, I wouldn't say quite so far as the the heart thumping. It was one of those things where it was, it was like the slow burn of uh, salsa that has too much spice in it or something. Okay. Where at first it was... Maybe for an instant, it's maybe fifty percent yay, fifty percent ick. Mm. But then, as it as it dawned on me the implications of it, and the especially that my upper body mass is uh, likely nowhere close to what his is. Okay. Uh, th- then the, the potential ramifications kind of became more clear to me. Oh, I was I like, see. oh. And for what yeah. it's worth, you were at least for a time one of my friends who did the most exercising and working out and weight training slash uh-huh. you had the kind of stomach a person could bounce a quarter off of and uh i'm not sure i go that far but you are you're very kind. well we never performed the experiment but yeah so has your workout routine changed was it the hormones oh it, it's the hrt yeah okay. i mean my my workout routine is probably not quite as rigorous as it may have been in those days but all the same Physiologically, I I gain and lose muscle mass in the same way that cisgender women do. So, interesting. Yeah. Are you actually doing different exercises? No, I'm doing the same type of exercises. Okay. But wh- whichever hormones it is that promote muscle growth and what have you, well, like testosterone. I I mean, my testosterone levels are 
almost nothing, mm-hmm. as it is the case with cisgender women. And so uh, a given set of exercises that would produce, I don't know, X muscle growth in a man mm. would, is, is not nearly okay. the same for me. Do you I mean, find some of them harder than they used to be? Oh, yeah. Really? I mean, to the extent that, well, for this show, I I move a couple of lights around to kind of get the lighting set up. And I have one lamp, which has sort of a, it's a floor lamp. And so it's got the base and then the, the steel beam or whatever mm. with various lines, lights on it. And it's steel, which is not unusual. And I've noticed that the, the lamp is getting heavier. Because, it, of course, it's the exact same way it's always been. But I used to be able to just one-handed just, you know, yoink it around. Mm. And I could still move it with one hand. But it does take more effort to move it. Interesting. Or even things like um, if I if I just went to the store and bought a couple twelve packs of soda, mm-hmm. it used to be that I could just sort of pile them up and then just sort of carry them in and whatever. But I can't I can't do that anymore. Wow. So to put a rough percentage on it, how many twelve packs could you carry now versus before? Probably too comfortably. Hmm. Maybe three in a pinch. Okay. The three used to be just like any old thing. Yeah. Huh. I mean, another thing I've noticed, and this was actually more, even more uh, astounding to me, is just that the extent of the loss of my upper body muscle mass has changed the way clothing fits for me. How's that? Back when I would wear men's clothes occasionally, like, when I was in drag for work, I had, I had of course, various clothes in my closet, and some of them, well, most of them were the correct size for me. Some of them were too small for me. I guess I went to the store and, I don't know, picked out the wrong size, or mm-hmm. maybe I ordered one online, and anyway. What a sensible person would have done is to have given them away to Goodwill or something. Okay. Yeah. And admittedly, this was maybe three or four shirts. The kind mm. of thing where I could put them over my head, but it would be kind of comical, comically tight. Like, I wouldn't uh. be able to move my arms properly. It would be tight in the shoulders. Okay. But as of recently, I can put those shirts on. They fit perfectly. Huh. Yeah. And they don't show off your midriff? The, the shirts would look awkward on me now in the sense that they are cut from men and not men for boobs right. but in terms oh, of yeah. the shoulders and torso and the and sort of the rest of it mm. the the fit is there but you did give away a whole bunch of clothes didn't you yeah three or four weeks ago i took uh i think it was three or four bag grocery sacks to the local goodwill i've just closed mm-hmm. that i wouldn't be needing anymore mm-hmm. yeah how'd that feel well it's pretty great actually yeah yeah because it 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 allowed me to go over that threshold in my closet as far as I now have more women's clothes in my closet than men's clothes, I think. Which men's clothes are you keeping and why? So I have some that I plan on giving away to friends, like okay. some jeans and so on. Many of the clothes that I gave away were ones that were... Maybe they had a tiny tear here or a hole, a, a oh, okay. very small hole in it. or were, Nothing that you would consider valuable. Right. Things that are terribly out of fashion. Kind of things that I would not want my friends to be wearing. But that people who maybe were less fortunate than me might be able to make use of. So some of the ones I've left are things like some of my uh, jeans that are in perfectly good shape. I do also have my men's suit for the time being. It's the kind of thing that if I were to to for some reason need would be expensive to replace. Sure. Uh, ties? I got a couple of ties. Okay. Because that would kind of go with the suit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of, I, I, the way I, I think of it is just things that would be expensive to replace if I, for some reason, needed them. In all honesty, probably the only reason I would need these clothes would be if my parents were to throw a fit when I was visiting them and if they were to insist that I 
wear boy clothes for some occasion or another. If you're visiting them. Yeah. Because you're going to bring that sort of stuff with you just in case. I might. Hmm. So I'll be having like two persons worth of clothes in mind. Yeah, yeah. Chances are, if I were to do that, I would bring very few men's items. Just since if it's just my parents and myself at, at their house or at, or possibly with my brother, I don't really see them objecting. Uh, on the other hand, if maybe it was like the Thanksgiving thing and they're inviting bunches of people over, perhaps some of which I hadn't yet come out to, then maybe they might insist. As an objective chronicler, I shouldn't be saying things like this, but why not just hope for the best, travel with the clothes you want to wear, if they throw a fit, go shopping? Because it's much less expensive to pack a couple extra pairs of clothes than buy slacks, a dress shirt, whatever. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying... So you're saying... just thinking of like one, one or two at the most... Yeah. Changes of clothing. Yeah. That the majority right. of my clothes. Even if your stay is be... like four or five days. Yeah. Yeah. That the majority of my clothes would be gender appropriate. Yeah. Mm. I mean, because the main thing is that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your relatives, as it were. So I, with some people, I, I tend to push things along at a, a more brisk pace or a more normal pace or what have you. But with my parents, of course. If I were to ruin that relationship, then that could mm. be bad. So I'm just being a little bit extra careful there. Okay. What are you but, doing for a watch these days? Because the last time I... Watch! Hello, watch! Is that just... Okay. Yeah. You used to have a pretty darn big chunky watch. And that yeah. is not That is not chunky at all. That is very feminine. Indeed, I used to have a band-style watch, which is... Uh, I guess which is quite quite masculine. Uh, and then maybe a year or two back, I switched to a watch which was more conventional, but still okay. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, it was it was plausible as a women's watch, but I, hmm. given that I'm I'm kind of playing at a handicap anyhow, I I try to um, lean towards femininity if I yeah. have any doubt. And so, I mean, with this watch, I mean, I, I, I like it because it has, for one thing, it has all the numbers on it, which sounds... It's <laughs> a good start. Well, I mean, I'm not just saying that because some of them, they just have like hyphens all the way around. Mm -hmm. Or the worst ones have like a hyphen at 6 and 12 or whatever, and then you're left to like fend for yourself. Yeah, Guess what yeah. time it is? And so, I mean, what, what's what's hard though is that... I don't know if this is a, a thing, but I'm my my spatial perception is not as good as the average humans. I think so. I'll get spatial I'll get, perception versus depth perception. Those uh, two things the same. Well, I'll give you an example. Like when mm. I'm in a, a a parking garage and I'm trying to go around tight corners or get into a a, a very small parking spot. I'm always a little bit nervous because I have a hard time judging how much, I have a hard time judging intuitively how much space is between my car and the other car. Okay. Um, and so just in, in the context of time, uh, of course, there are the hands on there. And so for years I've had digital watches because I wasn't very good at it because invariably what ends up happening is it's like I'm in first grade again. It's like, mm -hmm. like even now it's like, okay, the little hand is between the nine and the 10. The big hand is between a six and a seven, so it's nine thirty-seven, I think. No, I think you got your your hand sizes oh, fuck. Flipped, but other, other than that, <laughs> <laughs> see, so there was actually just to make you feel better, there was actually a time my freshman year, maybe sophomore year of college, when I was looking at a analog clock and was kind of surprised to find that I had to actually really think about what the time it was saying it was because yeah. I had gotten used to digital clocks as well. Yeah. And so for me, I just, I mean, some people just can intuitively look at it and say, oh, it's 930 or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But I, but at any rate, because there aren't digital watches that come in this size, well, what are you going to do? 
Now, given that your job is sort of high tech, you have a clock in front of you at any given moment and you have one on your phone as well. So is the watch purely decorative? Uh, I mean, certainly when I'm sitting in front of my computer, it's, it's somewhat decorative. At the same time, my phone is sometimes in my purse. And so that's not always available at an, at a moment's notice. So a watch is sometimes a, a kind of a practical sort of thing. I'm curious about other accessories that you may have switched to a more feminine style or gone after because you weren't allowed to before, like, I don't know, mm. a belly ring or something or a, an anklet. So I hadn't previously considered those two, but I'm kind of tempted now. Oh, really? Mm, anklet bracelets are pretty hot. Toe rings. Also, I did. Uh, I did try. All right. So I went to this one store. And it was, it was, it was sort of costume jewelry. It was, it was made of metal, but it was very cheaply made. Okay. Uh, and they had like some toe rings and it was like five or ten dollars or something. So, sure. Uh, but I figured, you know what? I'll give it a shot. It said one size fits all. Well, guess what? Nope. All your toes are too big. My, I think my pinky toe may have worked in terms of mm. diameter, but I'm not sure that toe is long enough. To yeah, make the, they may have slipped off. Yeah, look, or or just given the width of the of the toe ring, it looked kind of dumb on uh, the length of that toe. Okay. So I, I'm guessing that if I went to like a proper jewelry place or whatever, they could get one that's the right size. Yeah. But yeah, so there was yeah I'm, that could be tempting or um or the anklet or I'm still thinking about uh, getting my ears pierced. I mean. It's, wait, are you surprised or are you just inhaling? It was the still thinking about part. How the, long have you been thinking about it and what's the holdup if you're <laughs> into it? <laughs> so this, this, I've had my ear pierced. What happened? Mm, I don't know. Like it, the next day I decided it wasn't for me and I just took it out. <laughs> was this the mid 90s? Was this when Harrison Ford has, had his ear pierced? Because that looked This was 1992. Okay, all right. Maybe 93, yeah. Yeah. That's when white guys suddenly discovered, hey, I can get my ear pierced. And like we did it backstage during the one act plays in high school when I should have been paying attention to the play because I was the stage manager. Oops. Uh, Wait, so you, you had your ear pierced? While you were backstage? Yep. By whom? Uh, a friend who happened to have the kind of earring that you would use to actually do a piercing and some ice. And I was feeling either bored or adventurous or both. And this struck you, struck you as a sterile environment? No, I didn't care about that. Okay. I was, anyway. I was 17. Yeah, so you were asking about why I'm still thinking mm -hmm. about it whatever. And so... As far as the earring, it's a done deal. I will get my ears pierced. Okay. That's that's the easy part. Just once each? For starters. Okay. Come on. I'll get to that part. So anyway, yeah, I, I want to get my uh, ears pierced. That's that's a, a done deal. But the, the thinking part is a matter of the timing of it. What I want to do is, obviously, part of me wants to get it sooner because piercings are fun in general, at least in my opinion. And part of me does not want to antagonize my parents because there there's a certain balance there as far as I want I want them to get used to this, but I don't want them to think that I'm rushing them or whatever. You don't have to wear them. But I don't want my ears to close up either. Doesn't that take many days such as the duration of how long you might be visiting my parents well it depends on how many is many but hmm yeah hmm but so maybe i'll just get them pierced like in in january okay yeah i want selfishly i want you to feel as feminine as you want to and i would rather that happen for you sooner rather than later yeah, if there was a money tree for which I could get FFS, that would help. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, that I cannot help you. Yeah. So the earring thing, though, I'm thinking about it a lot because it's something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. 
And so part of the, what I'm also trying to figure out though is uh, part of what I'm also trying to figure out is how how to figure out which style is best for my face shape or whatever. Uh huh. Like, cause they're the studs, they're the loopy jobbies, they're the dingly danglies. I don't know which one would, and even then, I don't know if it if it's dependent on one's hairstyle. And of course, in my case. I don't know what my hairstyle is going to be like in January, and yeah, right. So I would say just try photoshopping some stuff. Put it on Twitter and say, "Hey, which is better? Make like a fake photo booth style with the four pictures of you." I don't want to look like a pirate because I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> well, try not to put an eye patch on. <laughs> I just don't know if I'm that good at Photoshop it, oh, to do that. But pirate, yeah. Some of it may just be a matter of going to whatever the earring places and just. I'm sure they would have some racks at them or whatever, and then you can just hold them up to your ears, I guess, and I can see how that goes. That seems more practical than photoshopping images of. Well, uh, well, practical maybe, but you could do the Photoshop thing from home using any earrings you find online. Yeah, but then you got to do like the, the, store. the marquee tool or lasso and cut them out and. You could use the magnet, the magnet one. Yeah, maybe. Um, but one thing my one of my friends mentioned though is that I mean one common route is just to go to like the mall or whatever, go to like the piercing hut or whatever it's called. Yeah, piercing pagoda was the one in our mall when I was growing up. Sure, yeah. What my one of my one of my friends suggested was that rather than going to the piercing hut, I could go to like a proper uh tattoo slash slash piercing shop and have them do sure. it since they might be more experienced than just some person earning minimum wage with a piercing with head. a gun yeah, yeah. Eh. that's certainly worth three minutes of research online that you would do faster than most people because uh, i i imagine the quality would be roughly the same as a 16 year old with a piercing gun if because people have been piercing their ears for <laughs> millennia i think yeah, actually but things like the recovery rate or chance of infection or whatever no because at, at a be. proper tattoo slash piercing shop, they they're very rigorous as far as the autoclave and making sure everything's sterile and all of that. A while ago, you were talking about how there was a rule about being full time in public throughout your whole life for at least a year before considering any kind of surgery. Right. Yes. Whose rule is that, and why is it a year? Right, that would be the uh, the document known as the standards of care. Let me see if I can pull up like a more official. Anyway, okay, so I, I believe it's the, the Harry Benjamin standards of care, and essentially it's a general set of guidelines for doctors and healthcare professionals, as they say, as far as treating persons with gender dysphoria. Uh-huh. What organization publishes this? This is published by the uh, group called WPATH, which is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. Okay. And they have some kind of authority? I'm just speaking like an idiot on purpose to make sure all of the... Right. So it's not, as I understand it, it is not a binding authority, but it's a set of, it's a set of guidelines and recommendations that is very widely followed. Okay. And WPATH is made up of doctors itself? That's, that's my understanding, yes. Okay. Makes more sense. All right. Right. What they had was um, that one of the prerequisites for undergoing SRS was what they would call the, what has become known as the one-year real-life test in which someone would live for one year in uh, presenting as their gender. And this is just SRS, not FFS or anything else? Right. Okay. Right. And so the, the the extensive goal was not necessarily as much around making sure that people were sure or whatever, even though I'm okay. sure that was part of it, but but making sure that people were aware of all the social changes that would go into it. So as far as various holidays and other occasions and so on. Say what? So for for instance, if someone is someone is a trans woman is is living 
uh, full time. It would, of course, make sense that the person would also have to deal with Thanksgiving and uh, winter family time and Labor Day and Columbus Day mm. and everything else. I suppose that the the thinking is that someone might get cold feet as far as, oh, I like this, but I don't want to do it in this scenario or something. They might have borders or barriers in their mind about how far they're willing to go. Uh, that may be part of it. Part of what may have been a factor in some of this is that for a very long time, being transgender was considered a pathology. It was considered, in some sense, a, a mental illness. Ah, just like for a very long time, homosexuality was considered an illness. Right, yeah. right. My understanding is that this latest revision of the standards of care... Are just the, came out this year. Right. Are the first in which it's, it specifically conveys that being transgender is not a uh, dis it's not a pathology in and of itself. Wow. Okay. Yeah. As, as they put it, um, the expression of gender characteristics, including identities that are not stereotypically associated with one's assigned sex at birth, is a common and culturally diverse human phenomenon that should not be judged as inherently pathological, pathological or negative. Mm. And that's from the most recent set of okay. guidelines. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting to is that some of what may have been the, the thinking is to, before someone undergoes SRS, to make sure that they really have this or uh -huh. whatever. But there's not necessarily a test that can be applied as there is, for example, when you're diagnosing ADHD. There's right. certainly not, not, not like a blood test one can do and say, oh, yep, you were born the wrong sex, so let's get you into the next room, whatever. Although, I mean, it's funny you should mention that just since um, there have been some research done with uh, uh, MRI machines. Ooh, cool. Yes. And, if it, and which have essentially found that, um, I believe their test was for uh, trans men mm. in this case, and they compared brainwave patterns of trans men with cisgender men under various exercises or what have you. And basically, they matched up. Okay. But a cisgender woman and a cisgender man would not match up. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. As far as these are kind of things where uh, different areas of the brain lighting up, mm -hmm. as it were. The ones, as they say, some parts dealing with language and some parts dealing okay. with, I don't know, whatever else. So. Mental map making, sure. Sure. Right. Right. So about the year-long delay thing. Right. So the WPATH group had just, they've just recently put out this new version of the standard of care. And there were quite a lot of improvements in it. Uh, among them that it used to be that trans men had a one-year requirement before getting a hysterectomy, mm. which was kind of somewhat uh, ridiculous, I guess. Because if you had a cisgender man who had gynomastia, I think that's the term, essentially uh, a man who has unexpected breast growth. Oh. Right. That's something where it's, it's treated as a physical condition and is covered okay. by insurance. And Okay. Yeah. Of course, with trans men, their hysterectomies are still not covered by insurance, even though it should be equivalent to the situation that cisgender men mm. would go through. But, but nonetheless, with these most recent standards of care, that one-year requirement is no longer there for hysterectomies for trans men. Okay. Uh, there were other advancements as far as the former, the former set of the guidelines, I believe, uh, suggested a three-month period of counseling before undergoing HRT which is the process I went through. Mm -hmm. But I believe they've also uh, dropped that requirement. All right. And that's not to say that someone would just start undergoing HRT right away, but right. certainly after, I don't know, a couple of sessions or whatever, it can be 
pretty evident that whether someone is, is transgender or not. Okay. Yeah. So, but but having said all that, they're they still have kept this one year requirement, this one year real life test, as it were, for for genital surgery. Mm-hmm. What what strikes me, I suppose, is and I I suppose they're trying to make sure that people are really sure about it and all that. But a year is a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean. I was trying to think the other day as far as other things that had waiting periods. Just in Buying general. a gun. Right. In some states getting an abortion. And a divorce in some states. It's sort of like a cooling off period. They made me answer a lot of questions about getting a vasectomy. I think I had to convince like three people in a row that I was serious about it. Okay. I wasn't even particularly young when I, I didn't think so. Right. Maybe I guess yeah. statistically I was. Uh, nothing else is coming to mind. But as far as the ones you mentioned, though, like a gun is what, five days? I don't know the exact. That also varies from state to state, but yeah. But say, yeah, five to seven days or what have you. Um, the divorce cooling off period, at least in Texas, I think is 60 days. Mm-hmm. The, the abortion thing? Right, the abortion thing. I don't know what the waiting period is on that. Yeah. But at any rate, I, I honestly, I couldn't think of any other scenario that had this type of waiting period. And a, it wasn't. A year, certainly. Yeah. Right. And there may be some things where, I don't know, say if you're applying for a passport, there may be some type of waiting period. But that was, that's just due to bureaucratic delay. That's not right. that they're sitting on it. And so as, as far as making sure that someone is really sure, as it were, I guess that is kind of a good thing to be sure about. But I don't see someone taking a year to become sure about such things. Yeah. It certainly sounds like an arbitrary time limit. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's just somebody sitting back in a chair, like, ah, pff, I don't know, a year. And then they wrote that down. Well, I think they, I think some of the original thinking was just around make sure there's one of each of whatever given family gatherings you'd have or holidays you'd have within the course of a year. I see. So, like, maybe if you yeah. had some certain summer vacation spot that you went to each year or visited so-and-so in-laws at whatever parts of the year. Plus, given the time of year when you started your other modifications, be they purely ornamental or hormone-based or whatever, you might be farther along or not so far along. So, yeah. if you just started stuff in October, Thanksgiving would be no big deal. Mm. Memorial Day might be a bigger deal. Although, of course, that's... It's it's the one year from when you're going full time, and so in my case, oh yeah, I had been going part time for I don't know six or eight months or whatever, even though I've only been full time for the last month or something. Wow, has it been a month? Almost. We have a couple of minutes left if you want to teach me something ladylike. Yeah, sure. It can't be about nails though, or can it? <laughs> No, I know everything. <laughs> okay. I have everything but the practical knowledge. Okay, so you're going to... Wait. You mean that you haven't tried any of this stuff? I've just been attending the lectures. <laughs> I've gone to the lab. <laughs> this first Robbie. Yep. Is called... <laughs> this one's called Matt Magic. Huh. Yeah. So it, something that they might have hanging around at the Industrial Light and Magic. Sure. Yeah, it's got alliteration, so it's got to be good, right? Mm-hmm. So this is from China Glaze, and this is a, it's kind of functions as a top coat. Yeah, you could say it's a top coat. Yeah. Most top coats are designed, of course, to protect one's nails and to make them shiny and all that. And this one also protects one's nails, but it makes them, instead of making them more shiny, makes them completely matte. Okay. Yeah. So you can do things like just taking a solid color and making them matte, mm-hmm. of course. Or if you take one that has maybe a solid color with a with some glitter in it mm-hmm. and then make you make that matte, you can create kind of an interesting effect because all of a sudden then you have a solid color with, with chunks in it, but they're they produce no shine. At any rate, it's probably it's kind of a niche thing because you don't need it necessarily need it every day, but hey, it does the job. And if you need some madness, then hey, okay. Glaze, uh, have you tried that same thing from different brands? 
I've actually, I mean, so China Glaze has one, and there might be one or two from another brand, but I'm not actually trying it from others, just since this is something I don't need all that often, and yeah. it actually, it, my nails are matte, so it wasn't lacking okay. something that I needed to find right. in another brand. Real quick, rapid fire, name as many nail polish brands as you can. Uh, OPI, Orly, China Glaze, Wet n Wild. Uh, Sally Hansen, uh, Zora, no, not Zora, it's one that starts with a Z, and uh, there are others, Finger Paints, this one, Revlon makes nail polish. I should think so. Yeah. Those are Maybelline? Probably, they might. <laughs> I mean, you 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 didn't uh, except for Revlon name any of the big players that I was. Well, of course of. you're. I'm basing this off of the polishes that I own, for example. Yeah, okay. And so, a lot of the the big players, as it were, they have their whole makeup line, including lipsticks and eyeliner and everything else. And so, there's only so much shelf space, I guess. And so, they have mm -hmm. some amount of their nail polishes, but with a brand like OPI or Orly, where that's sort of their main thing. Okay. They can have hundreds of colors mm -hmm. and they can just concentrate on coming out with new fun ones and everything else. Okay. Yeah. What's the second thing you wanted to, to bring up? I wanted to do a follow-up on the gel nail polish. Okay. Yeah. With the, with the salamander toaster oven, sure. Right. Which totally out of context for... People may have not seen that. Episode. Well, they better go watch it. Yeah, totally. So anyway, as sort of a quick summary, you've got this gel nail polish that you typically have done at a salon, and then they put your hands in sort of a little toaster oven-looking thing with UV lights, and it cures it, mm. and then it makes it super strong, and it can last for like two, three weeks at a time. In, the, in that episode, I was wearing the gel nail polish, and very pleased mm -hmm. with it. And I thought I'd talk a little bit about how you get it off, and so on. Oh, sure. Yeah. So normally with nail polish, you just use nail polish remover, basically acetone. And typically I'll just put some on to a, uh, a cotton ball and then rub it onto the nail. And there you go. Yeah. Are you puzzled or are you just swaying? I was hearing a Prince song in my head. <laughs> on account of me or just randomly? You. Wait. But not on purpose. Is it because I was, were you auto-tuning me in your head? No, you used the phrase get off, and so I started hearing that Prince song. <laughs> 23 positions in a one-night stand. Get off. Is that from his Pearl Rain album? No, way after. This, okay. was, this was during the symbol era. So, uh, gel nails. Normally, you just put the you know rubber rub, rub with your cotton ball. But with the, the gel ones, I would do that, and... Maybe a very tiny amount would come off onto the, the console, but it was, it was really not coming mm -hmm. off. So I checked some uh, bits on YouTube as far as suggestions and that kind of thing. And essentially, acetone is still the way to go, but you just need to be a lot stronger in, in a sense. It, so mm -hmm. one option you can do is to take the con balls, which you've doused with your nail polish remover, and then to tape those to your nails, just leave it for like 20 minutes or something. Oh boy. Or, if you have like a little bowl or ramekin, this one's probably a little larger than you might need, but I just poured some in here and then just sort of let my nails sit in here okay. while I watch like 30 Rockers or, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. And that actually helped, but even then, what I discovered makes gel nail polish so strong is the manner in which it bonds to your nails. And so even after you've had it soaking, I mean, and that will get some pieces to come off, and it kind of comes off in sort of chunks or something, as, mm -hmm. as opposed to just dissolving. But even then, there may be some bits that are still stuck on your nails, even after soaking for 10, 15 minutes. Wow. And so for that, you can use a jobby like this, which is a cuticle pusher. I don't know if this is showing up at all. Yeah, I've seen those. Okay. Yeah, sure. And then so normally you can use this to push your cuticles up and then you can trim them yourself if you want to, which I don't do all that often these days just since 
I really go slow on that part. Mm. But at any rate, what you can do then is use this cuticle portion to basically push the pieces of the, the nail polish off your nails. Okay, all right. Right. So the, the end result being that because of this strength in which the gel nail polish is bonded to your nails, once you get it off, your nails will not be completely smooth. At that point, you would probably want to put on some other type of polish just because your nails, okay. unless maybe you buff them or something, hmm. would be looking a little bit not quite as nice as they would normally. Overall, I'm still really pleased with the gel nails, but yeah. for some people, unlike myself, who wears nail polish every day of the year, some people wear it for like a little bit, maybe on vacation or something, and then a lot of time they don't. Mm-hmm. But if you get the gel nails, you almost have to plan on having your nails painted soon after, just since they might be looking a little ragged otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And some of that may depend on the skill which, with which you can foist your cuticle pusher or maybe how easily it comes off. So maybe, right. I mean, it, there's a chance it could end up turning out fine. But Okay. Uh, but at least for me, it was something where it did take some effort to get off the gel nails. But yeah, so that's so that oh. they knew more to the gel nails story. Yeah, that's an epilogue. Epilogue. Yeah, that works. Well, good tip. Thanks for following up. Yeah, totally. So it's still pretty fun, but uh, it does take a little bit of effort to kind of yeah. tidy things up at the end. But yeah. Well, thank you again for showing up. And oh, it's my pleasure, ca- Jay. Call you again soon. That sounds super. Good night, sweetie. Bye. Bye.